0: Thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class. Stay tuned to After the Torah Study for details on how to stay in touch with this ministry and keep up with all of our content. I hope you enjoy the study. Shalom, everybody. We are back with the survey of the scriptures. And we are starting in Shemot. Oh,
1: the...
0: we are?
2: <laughs> we didn't do that already
0: <laughs> we've not done that already <laughs> um, so I've, got, I've got Bummy Bar hanging chapter one and two or so hanging in the wings for about two months out but we are in Shemote I got all excited about doing Bummy Bar last week and uh, so we took a diversion Okay. Um, so we are in Shemote these are the names of the sons of Israel who came into Mitzrayim with Jacob.
1: Hi.
0: Every man came with his household. Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda. I'm not going to read all of those. It's the 12, and it basically says that's, uh, that uh, 70 men came, and they Hi. were fruitful, increased abundantly, multiplied. And then we have a change in... Mitzrayim now there arose a new king over Mitzrayim who knew not Yosef and he said unto his people behold the people of Bnei Israel are too many and too mighty for us come let us deal wisely with them lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there befalls us any war they also join themselves to our enemies and fight against us and get them up out of the land therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with burdens, and I want you to see that. Taskmasters, saray missing princes of tasks, if you will. Anoto, to afflict. Besivlotam. Sevel. That's a root word right there for you Hebrew students that you're going to want to become familiar with. Sevel. Sevel. Sivlotam uh, is plural possessive, their burden. All right. Afflicted them in their burden. All right. That's the word that is used for uh passion of messiah, the suffering of Messiah, the burden of Messiah. Savlanut. Okay. So already we are linking this passage. in a a sort of an indirect way to yeshua so israel is burdened here is suffering all right Mm -hmm. messiah suffered in burying our sins did he not yes Yes. all right so their affliction was their suffering yeshua's affliction was suffering for our sins okay they built four Paro store cities, Pit-Om and Raam says, and if I'm not mistaken, it's been recently they have discovered Ramses. There were people that thought it didn't exist, but archaeologically they've discovered it. I don't know if it's been verified yet, but it seems like it's been relatively recently that they've. Uh, some scientists, archaeologists have come to a conclusion on that. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. I want to just mention that that seems to be the pattern of growth for the congregation of God, is when it suffers suffers affliction, that's when it really grows. So, I don't see the growth of the modern church as biblical, to be quite honest, because too much of it is rooted in uh, anti-Torah bias, um, hyper-grace theology, um, a lack of, a, of, a, of an aspiring toward righteousness. I don't see that as revival. I'm sorry. I
3: just don't. I can't. Feel good that. messages.
0: Yeah, feel good uh, name it, claim it, prosperity, all of that stuff. It, it, it's its becoming one church, if you will, and it ain't pretty, in my opinion, okay? So true growth is through uh, the strife of life and the affliction, I personally believe, okay? And they were a dread because of B'nai Yisrael. The, the, the Egyptians were uh, feared, israel and they made Ben israel to serve with rigor they made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and all manner of service in the field and all their service they made them serve with rigor okay so that's at the end of 14 right there there's the rigor all right, they made them serve with rigor. And the king of Mitzrayim spoke to the Ivriot midwives, the Hebrew midwives. And apparently, there were two of them one was Shifra, and the other one was Pua. When you do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, you shall look upon the birth stool. If it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. Why? Why do you think that is?
3: They were afraid of becoming Mashiach.
2: Well, they're afraid of them being uh, being mighty in men and war.
3: Yes.
1: Coming up against them.
0: And growing in numbers because you need need men with seed in them to grow the nation more, right? Right. So it's a double whammy. You take away their ability to procreate and you take away their ability to create an army. That's exactly right the midwives feared Elohim and did not as the king of Israel commanded them but saved the men children alive that's a true believer is putting him or herself at risk mm-hmm. to do what is right in the eyes of God no matter who commands you to do it right yes I, I was thinking today how very frustrated I am at our country for everybody just having submitted and done exactly what the government said to do, even though morally, in my opinion, most of it was wrong. All right. So to me, that is moral courage right there is to do what was right, even though, you know, especially when it comes to the lives of children would to God that we had people that thought that way today, we wouldn't have been killing 60 million babies over the last 50 years.
3: Yeah, for real.
0: All right. And the king of Mitzrayim called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And the midwife said unto Pharaoh, Because the Idril, the Hebrew women, are not as Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered before the midwife comes unto them. And Elohim dealt well. Now, let me ask you this: Is that true? Not necessarily. Oh. Exactly. I don't so. We can't say that it's true based on what we were told in the previous part of the paragraph, right? Right. They feared Elohim and did not do what the king commanded them but saved the men-children. It's not that they weren't there when the men-children were born.
2: They disobeyed the command of the king.
0: They, they, said, they said they made up a, a way to protect themselves Right? Mm-hmm. So
3: they lied, the they lied to an unrighteous king in direct disobedience to an unrighteous order in right. order to do a righteous thing.
4: That's almost like the, your first act of civil disobedience. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And Elohim dealt well with midwives. And the people multiplied and and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because they feared Elohim that he made them houses. And that is exactly what it says. Batim. And Paro charged all his people saying, every son that is born of you shall you cast into the river and every daughter you shall save alive. So instead of just talking to the midwives, he commanded it of every person now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Any thoughts or comments? Or shall I move on?
3: Well, we see the same thing happen all the time. They they put together some sort of a order or a statute, and they first start off with only for federal employees and only for this. And it starts to spread where I try to make like everybody. So again, nothing's new under the sun. That's the same trick. Yeah, exactly.
2: And now everything back to normal.
3: (laughs) Yeah. The new normal.
1: And,
0: you know, and and, uh, if you go back to the history of the Western congregations, particularly from England, who settled America at first. Many of them were Puritans, which meant that they began to read the Bible in English for the first uh, few years that the Bible was in English print. It was first printed by Tyndale and they burned him at the stake. Um, King Henry VIII did. Um, And Wycliffe was in that mix as well. So, they printed some English versions of the Bible first in the 1500s. And then King James came along and printed the English Bible in 1611. So, the Puritans were Bible readers for the first time. The Catholic Church kept the congregations, uh, kept the scriptures away from them. When it got published and put into the hands of, of, of ordinary men, they started reading and they started to see how wrong things were. And they were being persecuted heavily. Um, right after uh, uh, Henry VIII came Elizabeth, and she was a Protestant. She kind of let them have their way. But then Mary, Queen of Scots, comes along, and she becomes—or no, Mary—the Mary Bloody Mary, the other sister of of, uh, of Elizabeth. She becomes queen, and she becomes Bloody Mary by killing Protestants. Okay, and even though they're Protestant, they're still Catholic. Do you know what I mean by that?
3: They still keep Catholic doctrine.
0: The Church of England is very Catholic in nature. Right. Okay? So it was other Protestants that rose up that started preaching more truly to the scriptures, including a guy named John Bunyan. And I don't know who here knows who John Bunyan is.
4: Yeah, I've heard of him, but I couldn't tell you. He was He was
0: a Puritan in England who was imprisoned because he was preaching and he wouldn't shut up. So they put him in prison, and he wrote a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. Okay? And I've said all of that to say that those people were being persecuted, and that gave them the courage that they needed to get on the Mayflower and to get on other ships and to brave the, the, the unknown, brave the sea and brave the unknown and brave the, 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 the uh, uh, uncivilized people on the other side of the pond to start a new civilization, hopefully. Okay, so it was persecution that, that drove them out of England, all right, and other places as well. The Mennonites of uh, Central Europe, um, that's who the Amish come from, and there's, there's several strains of them. The Amish, the Mennonites, the, the, there's two or three more, I can't think of their names right now who were in a similar boat in in their parts of Europe and they all fled to come to America to be free to worship they were they were being persecuted but the congregations grew all right and people would come to the states and then they would merge with those congregations but eventually it went down but my point is is that revivals don't ha- revivals happen real real return to god happens through hardship uh, the Civil War caused some of it uh, the Great Depression caused some of it where people returned to God and I, I kind of think we're either there or we're, we're just done done if you know what I mean
3: <laughs> yep.
0: uh, we're either going to go through some suffering as the congregation of God or we're just going to leave that's kind of where I'm at all right and there went a man of the house of Levi, and took a took as a wife a daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bore a son. She saw him that he was a goodly child. She hid him three chadashim, which is months, lunar cycles. When she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. That's in verse three. We talked about that word last week. That comes from the word "safon" north. That's where a storehouse is. That's the storehouses of winter, if you will. And it means to secret, to hide. So the snows are hidden in the north is kind of the concept there. All right. And she took for him a Tevat. Tevat. That's the same word for ark as in Noah's ark. hmm of gomeh, and that's the bulrushes, and daubed it, batach bechemar, uvezafet. She daubed it with pitch and slime, and she put the child therein and laid in the in the flags by the river's brink. And that the word there for flags is is suf, same word for yam suf. Uh, it's reeds could be cat cat tails if you know what those are similar to that sea reeds reeds in the in the water standing in the water at the edge of the water if you're a redneck you kind of know what those are some people might not know what that is yep i know all right his sister so moshe's sister we don't know this is moshe yet everybody on the call does but we haven't been told yet, but his sister stood afar off to know what would be done with him. And the daughter of Paro came down to, the, to bathe in the river. Her maiden maidens walked along by the riverside, and she saw the ark among the flags, that's the reeds, and sent her handmaid to fetch it. And she opened it and saw it, even the child, and behold, a boy that wept. And she had compassion on him and said, this one, this is one of the evrim's children so this is a hebrew child she knew that then said his sister to pyro's daughter so moshe's sister is standing there talking to pharaoh's daughter shall i go and call you a nurse of the hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you pharaoh's daughter said to her go and the maiden went and called the child's mother so moshe's sister calls moshe's mother
5: I was trying to talk to you, but I was on mute. So (laughs) wait. It it doesn't name the sister. So do we assume
0: this
5: is not Miriam?
0: I'm assuming it is Miriam.
5: You think it is Miriam? It just dawned on me that I've read that. I never really thought about that.
0: Yeah, I've always assumed it's Miriam. Okay. After having foreknowledge of of the story, then having gone back and read this, yeah, I think it's Miriam. Okay. The sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call? And she says, go. And the maiden went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me. So Pharaoh's daughter is telling Moshe's mother to nurse her own baby. She doesn't know that. But Moshe's mother does. All right. And I will give you your wages. So she's getting paid to nurse her own child. That's a pretty good deal, <laughs> especially right. considering he gets to live, right? Yes. But not on, not only does he get to live, but she gets paid for nursing her own child.
3: All right. That's awesome, right there.
0: Yeah. yeah. And when the woman took the child, and and the woman took the child and nursed it, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moshe. So whereas I'm assuming that at this point he's been weaned, all right? And that's the point when he became her son, okay? And she called his name Moshe and said, because I drew him out of the water. All right, any thoughts or questions about that?
3: Yeah, I got I guess- a question. Go Is Why did a, uh, uh, an Egyptian woman give him a Hebrew name?
0: i talked i thought i told you guys about this so if it's redundant just forgive me but i was standing in the gym
3: a couple of months ago i remember now yep you remember yes sir
0: and uh these three men from the middle east and i knew they were from somewhere in the middle east were standing around i've been seeing them in the gym they seemed like friendly guys and i couldn't stand it anymore and i finally asked them where they were from, and he had me guess. And I guessed Turkey, just out, based not on their dialect, but on their looks, because they did not look like deeper Middle Eastern people. They looked closer to Europeans than Middle Easterners. And maybe that's just me and my ignorance, but one of them especially looked more Turkish or more European, okay? So that I guessed that, but, he, but their language sounded more more like a, a Semitic language than than Turkish does. So, uh, um, Melly and I had watched a, a Turkish series one time. It was very good, by the way. But uh, so I I, I was kind of familiar with Turkish, but it's still close enough that I just couldn't figure it out. Well, it turns out the guys were Egyptian, and and I said, well, I I figured something like that. And I told him I speak Hebrew and he said, Oh, well, it's we used to speak Hebrew too in Egypt, you know, so his claim and that's what they taught him in whatever school he went to is that the Egyptians used to speak Hebrew and that, you know, but we learn in the Joseph story that he needed a translator, right? Right. My bet is however, that the two languages were at that point, very close together. Just like Aramaic and Hebrew are today,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm willing to bet that whatever Egyptian was back then was similar enough to Hebrew that it was an easy transition. But regardless, if she spoke purely Egyptian, then she called him something that meant drawn out of water like Moshe does. Are you with me? Yes. But and it could be
3: as... As the Egyptian empire grew, they began to develop, and their language developed and modified and changed a little bit over time, too. So, yeah, that makes all the sense now.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm I'm sure it did. Um, Yeah, the the languages, the the longer they go, the more divergent they get from one another just because they borrow from different sources and grow their language differently. So, yeah, I believe that's probably what happened. But this is written from the Hebrew perspective from the throne of God. we got to remember that. And so he's getting it in its in its purest form anyway, right? Right. So, go ahead.
2: So, um, I I just was her husband. Well, she I don't know if she had a husband or not, but the fact is she had a baby, and they just accepted it as her child. So I'm thinking when it comes to all of the different gods that they serve that it's, it's kind of easy for them to believe that God just gave her that baby. You know, they oh, probably yeah. have something yeah. along that line.
0: Yeah, the Nile River was itself one of their gods. And I think that's why we're seeing Moshe in that river. Mm-hmm. Because Moshe... Uh, let me show you something. Moshe... Let me find it. Where bees it?
2: At the top. His name, Moshe, at the top.
0: Moshe. All right. Keep that in mind. Mem, Sheen, Hey. Mm Mm-hmm. Now yeah, look at this, Moshiach.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Savior. Mm. Look how close this one is to Yeshua.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> okay, you put the noun and the the mem in front of it to make it a noun, but. Because of the way the word is written, then the letters get rearranged. The nail in the hand gets flipped to become Savior. All right? Mm-hmm. So that's a play on Yeshua's name, but it's similar to Moshe. It may come from the exact same two-letter root, which means to draw out. Moshe means to
1: draw out.
3: Hmm. All right, And he was, in a sense, a savior.
0: That's right. that's the point that I'm making. We have a salvation picture here. We have the Nile River, which is one of the gods of Egypt, which was the first one that God judged. Remember, mm-hmm. he judged all their gods. We're going to see that. Everything that he put a plague on was one of their deities. All right? And he started with the Nile. So before the Exodus starts, God brings the Savior through what they see as their savior. The Nile River was their source of life because it, it, the, that green valley around the Nile is where all the food of Egypt was grown,
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay? Um, they learned irrigation. They made all of their farms right along that river because they're up in the northeast side of Africa where it's extremely dry and hot. But that Nile Basin is, was very fertile and they learned to manipulate that river and make, make life out of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? And so God starts there with Moshe. He puts him in, he has him put in that river and then drawn out. Okay? I don't think it's a coincidence that he was put mm-hmm. in an ark.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Right? right?
0: right. And that, that ark saved him.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that ark... I believe, is sort of a personification of Moshe's mother's faith. Mm. That took some faith yeah, to do. To, first of all, just to put an innocent baby in a boat, a little tiny boat and hope that he lives.
3: Yeah. Be free, Shamu. Good luck to you. Exactly. Okay.
0: And then to send your daughter, we don't know, you know, I think it was kind of passive that Moshe, Moshe's sister went and watched him, right? Let's look at that again. His sister stood afar off. So she did that on her own, it looks like. Maybe mama told her to do that. But maybe she just did it by herself. That's kind of what it, what it looks like to me. Are you with me?
3: Yes. It's- because she's like, man, that sent my my baby brother off. What's gonna happen to him? Exactly. But, and she could have been if if they'd have put two and two together, she could have been killed too.
0: Bingo. So that was a monumental move of faith, in my opinion. And then look at her faith, how big it is.
2: Yeah, she thought she approached the Pharaoh's
0: daughter. <laughs> Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women? Mhm. <laughs> this girl had some cojones
2: <laughs> you know j- just like um the scriptures talk about the strengthening of pharaoh's heart and things like that it's possible that alba could have been strengthening her heart too the, the Absolutely.
3: but perot's daughter could have been like a ditch because oh you're just gonna go find some woman that can nurse this child and not put two and two together that you know who this woman is probably
1: yeah (laughs) yeah
0: and and so but i mean it's it's beautiful because she put her her baby in an Mm ark. her daughter goes and intervenes interferes
4: Mm
1: -hmm. and it
0: goes well and the next thing you know she's getting paid
1: Nurse mm-hmm. her,
0: her own child. I
2: tell you, God is thorough.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you. All right, so she calls him Moshe because I drew him out of water. And it does it doesn't escape me that Israel, the nation, is drawn out of water 80 years later. Mm-hmm. Right? By a guy named Moshe. <laughs>
1: Mm
0: -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, just as an incidental she saw him that he was good this is talking about Moshe's mother
2: it's superscript
0: superscript, so it's kind of like take another look at it and of course tov Even though the word means good, it starts with a serpent, all right? And that's the sting of life. Even in the midst of that, things can be good, all right? So she saw goodness in him. She may have been a little bit bitter for having had a child at that time, but instead of being defeated, she grows some courage, right? Mm -hmm. And builds him an ark and sends him away and then of course now we know the rest I drew him out of water came to pass in those days that when Moshe was grown up he went out of it out unto his brethren so this is where it deviates from Cecil B. DeMille and the other Moshe movies he went out unto his brethren he knew he knew he was a Hebrew
5: Mm -hmm.
0: okay he looked on their burdens. We're in verse 11 here. I got to do something right quick. We're in verse 11 here. He grew and he went out to his brethren and saw there's that word again. Mm-hmm. See, their burdens. He saw their burdens. And he saw a, an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that. And when he saw that there was no man, he smote the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And he went out the second day. And behold, two men of the Hebrews were striving together. And he said unto them, Unto him that did the wrong. Why do you smite your fellow? And he said, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Verse 14. Me, Samchaleish, Sarveshofet, a prince and a judge over us do you think to kill me as you did kill the egyptian and moshe feared and said surely the thing is known now when pharaoh heard this thing he sought to slay moshe but moshe fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of midian and he sat down by a well so a lot of stuff is wrapped up in those couple of sentences whole journey you know a whole verdict and uh, you know a mission to find him and kill him. All of that is wrapped up in those two sentences and he left and went to meet and sat down by a well. And
2: so he, at uh, this point it looks like uh, Paro, every I, I guess. He, Paro, Paro, Paro knew he was Egyptian, I mean a uh, Hebrew as well. Does it look like that?
0: No. So only,
2: only Moshe knew he was Hebrew
0: no i think pharaoh knew i'm sorry oh. I, I didn't understand your question i think he knew he was a, a hebrew but at this up to this point there wasn't a problem with it what happened is he killed an egyptian and oh. pharaoh needs to deal with breaking the law murder was against the law in egypt believe it or not <laughs>
3: well there were Torah keepers in a sense
2: Yeah, the murder against against, uh, uh, anybody but the slaves.
3: Yeah, he murdered an Egyptian soldier. Yeah. What I keep thinking is the two Hebrew men that he tried to break up the fight and it said, who are you? Who made you a judge over us and a ruler over us? I can only imagine him choking on their words just a little bit later on. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah, well, it would have been, what, 40 years later, so they may or may not have been alive um but yeah anybody that they told it to and who agreed with them certainly would have choked on those words because he does become a prince and a ruler over them. and so, yeah, so it's almost like they were speaking prophetically right
2: and and it sees that and they didn't know so moshe was just observing just chilling out, checking out everything, knowing who he who, truly who he is, and boom, this thing happens.
0: Yeah, and he does what he thinks is the right thing to do, or he just allowed his rage to take over him. That must be it, because he hid the he hid the man that he killed right. in the sand and didn't think anyone else saw it.
5: It does say that he looked around before he did it, so that yeah. right. He was not in such a rage that he didn't have that thought. I bet right. I make mean, sure nobody's watching.
3: Yeah, yeah but you know right. That's his guilt. I mean, he if he knows he's Hebrew, and he's living in the Egyptian king, the rule of, of the known world in his mansion, getting all the privileges of life, knowing he's of these <laughs> other people, and seeing how they're treated. Can you just imagine the guilt he could have?
0: Oh yeah you would be like why me yeah what i don't deserve this
2: <laughs> yeah especially with his humility
0: yeah so so he goes and moves to midian and sat down by a well verse 16 the priest of midian had seven daughters
1: Give me just a second.
5: Sheba. The priest of
0: Midian had seven daughters and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Who does that remind you of?
2: Uh, 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 Rebecca.
0: Bingo. Jacob. Yaakov and Rivka. And the shepherds came and drove them away. They drove the daughters away. But Moshe stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Reuel, their father, Reuel means we see God. Mm -hmm. All right. Right there. Mm -hmm. And he said, how is it you are come so soon today? And they said, Amitri, an Egyptian, they're calling Moshe an Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds. And moreover, he drew water for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moshe was content to dwell with the man. That's in verse 21. (inaudible) Vayuel (inaudible) Moshe (inaudible) lashevet et ha'ish. Lashevet et ha'ish. All right, to dwell with the man, and he gave Moshe Tzipora his daughter, and she bore a son, and she called his name Gershon, for he said, "I have been a stranger in a strange land." Now, there's a lot of stuff in here on a deeper level, personally. Moshe means drawn out. Tzipora is what to Moshe? Wife. Could I say bride and still be right?
2: Yeah.
3: Doesn't Tzipora mean bird as well?
0: That's what I was about to point out. It means bird. All right. And their son is a stranger. A stranger there. Their shom, sham is there. Gair is stranger. All right. Moshe, salvation, a bird, a stranger there. Does that bring anything to mind to you guys? I'm missing the bird.
3: The rook falling upon Mashiach as the form of a dove. Okay, what else? The uh,
0: bird that flew out of the ark yep bird that flew out of the ark all right what give me something else that flies doesn't the bride of messiah fly
3: oh yes we fly away
0: mm. i mean the very wedding ceremony itself they carry the bride in flight to the bed chamber right And so this may be stretching it. I may be stretching it. But again, I'm drawn back to or I'm reminded of the heat glute revelation, chapter 12, where the woman gives birth to a son and the son is caught up in flight. Mm
1: -hmm. The son
0: here is called a stranger there. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You are strangers and foreigners in the world, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: I don't think any of this is accident. Honestly, this is the bride. Tiphereth is the bride, right?
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Is anybody with me?
2: Yeah, yeah, I can see that.
0: Got it. Yep. All right. Ger is stranger, and Sham is there. All right. It just paints a picture for me. And it came to pass in the course of those many days that the king of Mitzrayim died. And Bnei Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto Elohim by reason of the bondage. And Elohim heard their groaning and Elohim remembered his brief with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov and Elohim saw Bnei Israel, and Elohim took cognizance of them. Elohim. He knew them. He considered them. That's that right there. (laughs) Yedah,
5: dude
0: all right so we're getting into passover words and it's interesting that we just did this last week right and we're still in this passover season right now as we study this all right so these words are a little bit familiar to you already uh so the second king of egypt died and their bondage got worse it appears they cried by reason of their bondage
2: Yeah, how long was Moshe gone?
0: Forty years.
2: Forty.
0: Okay. Elohim heard their groaning. Va'yishma. You should see a familiar word right there. Va'yishma. Shema. Yep. Elohim, God heard their groaning. Na'aktam. Na'akatam. And re- God remembered His covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he saw Bnei Yisrael and knew them. et Elohim. All right. Moshe was keeping the flock of Yitro, his father-in-law. Wait a minute. Look at this. Reuel, their father. Yitro, his father-in-law.
2: Mm-hmm. First and, first, and middle name.
0: Any other ideas?
2: Mm. Being that he was a priest, did he get another name? And...
0: This may have been his office and this may have been his name. This could be he saw God, or he sees God. Are you with me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But this is his name. I still haven't worked that out yet. Maybe, I, I seem to remember coming to a conclusion on this some years back, but it's just escaped me. Moshe was keeping the flock of Yitro, his father-in-law. Yitro means, Yeter means leftover, or it can mean the string of an arrow, a bow. All right. So, but Yoter means above and beyond. All right. So, this is in the is in the possessive his above and beyond. Are you with me? His Yoter. All right, Yitro. He's the priest of Midian. So huh? Yeah.
5: So well and Yitro are. The same person. It's the same man. But he's called by a different name.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that's hard to work out. I haven't seen for myself a satisfactory answer to that. I'm hoping that we kind of see something tonight. And if I remember right, there's a third way that he is called. We just have to get to that. When they meet him again after Moshe comes back, Mm -hmm. I think there's even a third way that he's referenced. But I... I, have it's, it's kind of shaky for me. All right.
5: You're saying that he could have been known by the one man, we see God, Raul, in his role as the priest. Yes. Nitro as his just common name. His
0: given name, yeah. That's what I think it is. Um, but I don't see anything to nail it down. But it's just, I find it interesting that he is a priest and that's what his name is there. But when he's referenced as father-in-law, he's referenced as Yitro. It's just worthy to take note of. Okay. And we'll watch for, we'll watch it unfold as we go. He's the priest of Midian, and he led the, Moshe led the flock to the farthest end of the wilderness and came to the mountain of Elohim unto Horeth. All right. We need to go look at a map there. Horeth. That's right. All right, the area in question
1: is this whole peninsula, all right? Hmm.
0: Mount Sinai on this map is right here. You're gonna have some people today who say it's over here. And they say there's a mountain over here somewhere that, or perhaps up here in this area, somewhere on this side of the river, where there's this split rock. And it's kind of, you know, in their minds, it looks like where Israel might have settled uh, for the tablets, okay? What I want you to know is Horeb and Sinai are the same mountain. All right? This is an estimation. It depends on whether or not Refidim is an actually known thing. I don't know that, whether or not that's been archaeologically proven but this map may have some information that I don't have the last book that I read about all of this was called uh, it was Werner Keller's book it's called The Bible is History and it was an early collection of all the archaeology that existed in that day and Werner Keller wrote that I think in the 50s maybe and so it's an old book but it was very scientifically written and reliable. And of course, there are people who think they know that Mount Sinai is over here. I disagree with that because this is Arabia or this is the Sinai Peninsula. You see Sinai Peninsula?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. It's called Har Sinai, the mountain of Sinai. Right? So in my view, it has to be over here because that's where God says it was is on this peninsula. And I personally believe they crossed the Red Sea probably right about here. Goshen is up here. These people disagree with me, it looks like. Looks like they crossed the sea right here. I don't agree with that. Because you can't seek an army in that. Are you with me? Mm This shows their route. They did stop at Sukota, but I think they went further.
3: I don't but think they're they... also they're also trying to on, on the one hand prove that yes, it happened, but yeah, it just happened because of this, and this is where they went. They're not they're yeah,
0: they're trying to, they're trying they're to, to explain it away and make it natural other than supernatural. Yes. But
4: mm-hmm. uh, did any of you ever see that National Geographic? Uh, article where they actually found chariots uh-huh. at the bottom of the gulf in the water. Yes. yes. And I can't remember where that was, but that yeah, was yeah, that was proof right there. Yeah, right there.
0: Yeah, I haven't been able to verify that. I'm the kind of guy that needs to needs two or three sources to back that up. I have heard that report, but I can't claim it yet because I haven't I need I'm just that way. I gotta have Two or three witnesses. I can't establish anything on one witness. So, and the uh,
2: archaeological—the find uh, of the the wheels, the chariot wheels, buried there.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't seen it myself, and I don't know who is claiming it. I don't know the science behind it. I just it's a movie.
4: Yeah, yeah. We well, to the movie. We went to go see it? I didn't see a movie on it. Documentary I thought, movie.
2: TV.
5: Uh, it was a uh, like a
4: documentary.
2: A documentary, right?
5: Documentary.
0: Now here the two maps agree on where the mountain is. Do you see that?
5: Uh-huh.
0: And this one makes more sense as to where they crossed. Do you see that? The other one had them crossing right here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I think they crossed somewhere down here. All right, and it has Baal Teflon here, Pihajero right there, which is where they stopped right beforehand. So these, these three are mentioned in their journey. And so this to me is a better estimation of how they travel.
3: Well, the first place where you, you said where the other map had them cross them, that's more of a pond than it is a sea. You wouldn't call that a sea necessarily anyway. Exactly.
0: And, and that's what I mean is that it's not probably deep enough to sink an army. But this one is. Mm-hmm. And so I would be interested as to where the source you guys are talking about as to where they say the crossing was.
2: Now he didn't mention about that little part but that little part but he like he like you said that's that's a little part
1: and yeah.
2: and and he disqualified that and then when he found and I think it was it was they were trapped like they, they couldn't go no, nowhere left, right, north, south they could only go one way right either back to the Egyptians or into the sea.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the geography here, that makes sense right here. Mm-hmm. Up here, it doesn't make any sense, but down here it does. They were trapped, but and also this is big enough to sink the army. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they traveled all night. Yep. Yeah. Scripture say that.
6: Yeah. So I want to say um, I've seen some things through uh, Kent Hovind, who's all about creation science, and he referenced a documentary that I went and watched a while back and they talked about uh, evidence of chariots and things. Um, but now it makes me curious. I want to go and see if they point out where they crossed mm-hmm. as well.
0: Right. Uh, that, that would give a lot of weight to the argument for me if they cross in a place that fits the biblical narrative because I'm not going to let go of what the Bible says for, yes. for some scientist's sake, mm-hmm. Okay um i don't do that for creation i may not understand creation but i know what the bible says about it <laughs> mm-hmm. all right so but what i want you to point what i wanted to point out is
1: oh.
0: he went into the wilderness to horev all right which is around the same area see how it says Horef right there
1: mm-hmm.
0: sinai and horev are the same mountain so i personally believe it is somewhere in the Sinai Peninsula. Because that's what the word says. I can't divorce myself from that and say, oh, but they found this mountain over here and it's got a split rock. Big deal. Rocks split in other places, too. You know? And so in my mind, it has to be here or I have trouble with it. Okay? And maybe maybe that's why nobody listens to me. But (laughs) that's what I believe. All right. And the Malach Yehovah appeared unto him in a flame. This is the most important part of that sentence. Oh, yeah. This is what people have, and you guys know this. Most of you are aware of this. Most people have a completely bastardized version of what happened in this verse because of Cecil B. DeMille and (laughs) years and years and years and years of misreading this. The Malach Yava appeared, Vayare Malach Yava Elav, in the flame of fire out of the midst, Mitoch Hasane. out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, Vayara Vahineh, Hasaneh, the bush burned with fire They but it wasn't burned up it wasn't consumed alright yeah it was not consumed and Moshe said I will turn aside now and see his great sight why the bush is not burnt and when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see Elohim called unto him so the Malach Yahweh is in the bush right Yeah. And God called him out of the midst of the bush. So what does that tell you about this and this?
2: A manifestation.
0: This malach, this messenger of Yah, is a perfect manifestation of God. Mm -hmm. He's not God. He's a manifestation of God. God Mm -hmm. is on his throne, but he's emanating through this messenger. Is -hmm. that satisfactory to everyone?
7: Yes, that
6: is
0: all right. So that's exactly what's happening, and, and people overcomplicate this and listen to other doctrines that have been superimposed over the scriptures over the last 4,000 years. But this is the plain meaning of what it says God called to him out of the bush and said, Moshe, Moshe, and he said, Here am I. Basically, see me. Behold, here am I. Here I am. And he said, Do not come closer. Put off your shoes from off your feet, for the place whereon you stand is Kadosh ground. Moreover, he said, I am. So the Malach is speaking. And he says, I am the Elohim. Anohi Elohei Avicha. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob this is the messenger speaking i want you to hammer that into your mind but he's saying i am the god of your fathers abraham isaac and jacob very specifically he said elohe which means god of three times all right he is reiterating over and over who he is has moshe heard the name yet
1: Mm -hmm. no
0: Moshe has not heard the name yet and he said do not come closer okay moreover he said we already read that Moshe hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God he could see whoever this was do you agree
1: Uh yes
0: but he was afraid to look at it
2: and, and point, point taken, if it was God, either way, he, he, he couldn't be right there if it was God because no. he would have been consumed.
0: He would have died. Yeah. Right. He would have died. But this is a perfect manifestation. So in effect, he is seeing God, right? Right,
2: right, right
0: it's not the creator god in all of his fullness it's god manifesting in a diminished capacity but it's still it's still him
2: the full expressed image
0: exactly and Yahweh said i have surely now look at how that reads it just says that any thoughts on that it didn't say the malachi Yahweh said it didn't say elohim said it says that.
2: Because the all was speaking.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. I have surely seen the affliction of my people that are in Mitzrayim and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their pains. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Mitzrayim and to bring them up out of that land unto a good and large land, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanite, Chivi, Amari, Well, why is it in there twice? I might have messed up. It should be Chiti, probably.
1: Verse
0: eight. Chiti? and chivi. So that one should be chiti. So I messed up there. Might want to make a note of that.
2: Write that (laughs) down.
0: Yeah. The amari and the perizi and the chivi and the Yedosi. And now, behold, the cry of B'nai Yisrael is coming to me. Moreover, I have seen the oppression wherewith me trine oppresses them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh and you may, that you may bring forth my people out of Mitzrayim. And Moshe said unto Elohim, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth Bnei Israel out of Mitzrayim? And he said, Certainly, I will be with you, and this shall be the token unto you that I have sent you. And you have brought forth the people. You shall serve Elohim upon this mountain." So that mountain is important. That's where they go back to. Here it's called Choreth. Right?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: The farthest end of the wilderness. See how far south it is down in this peninsula?
2: That's the farthest end.
0: All right. And Moshe said unto Elohim, Behold, I am... When I come unto Bnei Israel and shall say unto them, the Elohim of your father sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall Mm -hmm. I say unto them? I will be who I will be. You can also say, I just, it's hard to figure out how best to say it, but you can also say, I will be whatever I will be, because that's the nature of Hebrew words. Asher means whoever or whatever, Right? Elohim said unto Moshe, I will be who or whatever I will be. Aye, asher, aye. It's right here. Aye, asher, aye. I will be whatever I will be. That's the conjugation of the verb to be. Notice how similar it is to his name. Everybody?
2: Yeah, so you know, there are um, people who try to say that Yudhe Vape is not his name, but I. Uh, eh, 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 he, what is it? Aye. Aye. A eh aye. They're saying that's his name.
0: All right. Aye. A eh aye, asher, aye that is how he refers to himself. Mm hmm so they are right in that sense but look at what he then says this is what you shall say to the sons of israel a has sent me unto you and elohim said moreover unto moshe thus shall you say unto them Yahweh, the elohim of your fathers of abraham isaac and jacob has sent me unto you this is my name forever and this is my memorial this is how I shall be remembered or recalled for all generations and he's talking about the four letter name
1: mm-hmm.
0: so that settles that argument for me right he's he, I will be whatever I will be don't basically he's almost saying don't worry about my name but since you ask this is what they're going to call me forever yeah right. Are you with me? Yes. Yep. Zihri My memorial. dodor. My memorial from one generation to another. My spoken remembrance. That's what Zakhar is. Zikhri. Spoken. A spoken remembrance. Not just a thinking remembrance, but a spoken remembrance. That's what that means. So it's, we, we are to recall him by speaking that name.
1: But
3: oh, we're not to forbid the use of that name.
0: Bingo. Because the very, the very nature of why he calls him, himself that is because he wants us to say it. This is my spoken memorial. For all generations. And I personally believe that they knew. That Israel knew this was his name. Moshe may have, but he may not have. Why?
3: He was brought up in the house of the
0: Egyptian. Egyptian. He was raised up as an Egyptian. He was probably weaned off his mother's breast. And then he became Pharaoh's daughter's son. and raised as an egyptian even though he knew his heritage he may not have known the name they probably wouldn't have said it around the egyptians i don't know but i my bet is that they knew because they handed down their traditions orally and they knew you're going to see later some of the traditions and some of the things that abraham and isaac and jacob had said to them they weren't just bereft of all their history some people think that they had forgotten who they were, and I don't think they did. They, who did they cry out to? Right. right. How did they know to cry out to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob?
2: And they, they definitely knew, knew to cry out to him
0: because exactly uh,
2: it's probably just passed down from generation to generation.
0: Bingo. So he's well, telling them say this to them, and that's gonna, they're going to know. That's my token to you. They're going to know
2: especially the promise that i would think that if there was a covenant and there was something that was promised the covenant that was passed down they've got to know that that god has made a promise and also the fact that he he said you'll be a stranger in the land but i'll bring you back to this land so they holding on to that very yep. promise
0: yep god told abraham that his children were going to be slaves I'm sure that got passed down. The next thing you know, Joseph is in Egypt. He tells them to come here, and he says, when you leave here, carry my bones up, so they know they're going to leave. They probably even have in their mind that there's going to be a deliverer. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you got your hand up? What's up?
3: Yeah, a couple of things. So Let's go back to Abraham and him building the, uh, the altars for the sacrifice. What we were talking about before, but everybody knew his name. I'm quite sure everybody has heard the name so even the egyptians probably knew who he was and they're probably they probably even considered worshiping him because they worshiped everything else anyway and then with moshe um, knowing his true heritage he probably looked into it so he probably knew of the name to so at least to some extent but the big thing that i see there is what we see in the brick of that you shall test the spirits he doesn't want to go in there and just have just any old willy-nilly spirit telling him, go do this without him having verifiable proof of who is sending him to do this deed that can get him killed.
0: Yeah. I personally do believe that Egypt knew the name, and here's why. If I'm on our website. I don't know if you saw me, but I went to our website and went to beliefs. If you go down to the name and click on it, and you get a write-up on the name, and you get proof that Egypt knew the name. Mm. Egyptian hieroglyph showing the name Yelah pronounced the way we pronounce it. That's one of the reasons that I believe we pronounce it the right way is because this thing is 2,000 years old. It's 4,000 years old. It's it's right around the time of Moshe. And it's basically saying that the God of, of... of Israel is Yahweh. It's got the four-letter name. And Egyptologists have said, this is how you pronounce it. So, yeah, I do believe they knew his name.
2: Well, when you think about it, all the time leading up with Jacob and Yaakov and Abraham and all them, making those big altars and barbecuing Mm -hmm. and calling upon the name. You know, so the name was out there. He, he was known. It it right. may not have been completely the, the, the the miracles with with the mighty hand like out of Egypt, but but it was they and they feared him because remember when uh, Amalek, when he had uh, Abraham's wife, when he had Sarah, and he knew about his God and feared his God, knowing yeah. that you can get me killed.
0: Yeah, that's a vimelech, not Amalek. Oh, but you're right. Avimalef knew the name and knew uh, to fear him. That's right.
5: You know, it, it just occurred to me that Moshe was chosen the one man who had been raised and steeped in the beliefs <laughs> of Egypt.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: And he would be the most unlikely person because he, he, was, <laughs> he was raised among Canadians. Yep. And steeped in that from, from his early childhood.
0: Yep. Albert, what you got?
6: You know, it's um it's it's interesting when it comes to the idea of people not wanting to say his name. And I know part of it uh is rooted in reverence, but just looking at this, this scripture right here, mm-hmm. where he clearly lays out his name and he says this will be a memorial unto all generations. And you pointed out a spoken remembrance unto all generations. So the idea of not saying his name out of reverence is almost like in a fashion or in a sense saying that, yeah, Abba, he somehow didn't account that there will one day come come a time when we wouldn't remember the correct pronunciation of the name, so therefore... We shouldn't follow the commands of saying the name. It's just weird to me how 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 they justify that. And it's like you can't. It's too far, it's too many places where we're commanded to say it. And then you have scriptures like this where it, he clearly says this is what I should be called.
0: And they always stand on some intellectual platform to justify it. They don't stand on what the word is actually saying, they stand on some some yeah. rabbi's or someone else's intellectual uh, clout in order to continue to justify not saying it. They don't stand on what the Word says. You cannot find anywhere in the Word where it tells you not to say it. Right. You can find hundreds of places in the Word where it tells you to declare it. To and, declare it. And, 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 yeah. and like you're saying, the, the, very, the very promise of it you know the giving of it to Moshe itself is calling it a remembered spoken declaration
6: so unto all generations
0: to all generations not, yeah
6: not 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 all the generations that remember the correct pronunciation right
0: and all and,
6: generations period
0: yeah and if if you haven't read or if it's been a while i suggest that everybody goes and reads this mm-hmm. because this has Multiple sources mm-hmm. from antiquity that all show, plus just the basic Hebrew. Uh, you know, you look at you look at any of the major prophets' names, and they've got these three letters on the end of them: Yahu,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Eliyahu, Yeshayahu, Yirmiyahu, Yahu all of them have that suffix on the end of their name the only letter that's missing is this one you and you know there's just to me there's plenty of evidence to show us how to pronounce it and even if we're slightly wrong
6: uh, so so that does go further to solidify um what we believe to be the pronunciation absolutely No. Nope. okay
0: that's... so so it, but even if we are slightly wrong We're certainly not wrong on the spirit of the word that says it's a memorial forever. Right.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, that's the part
6: that gets me, all generations, because as if to say we can't do it now, it's almost like you're saying, Abba, there was a flaw in what he said. Like, he didn't account for that. Uh, Like, come on.
0: Yeah. You know, and you have, I don't mind it when people call him Yahweh. Because Mm -hmm. that was the English translation of his name for a long time. And it's perfectly legitimate. It does not bother me when people say it. Sometimes I say it that way just because Yahweh is a little strange to people. It's harder to say. So I don't mind saying Yahweh because that that is an English translation directly from his name. It's sort of like Yeshua is a direct one-to-one transliteration from Hebrew to English, whereas Joshua is a translation of Yehoshua to English. Alright? It's the same kind of thing. Yahweh is is taken out of Hebrew and put into English. Is everybody with me? But when we say Yahweh, we're saying it in Hebrew.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
0: Everybody got that difference?
3: Yeah. So that- I was going to bring up the same thing that I don't mind it when people say Yahweh because you can look at the Hebrew and get that pronunciation if you don't understand all the details of the grammatical things going on. You can get that. And then, okay, that's cool. You're saying to the best of so you know how. At least you acknowledge the fact that he has a name and that it ain't the Lord.
0: Yeah, and and, and <laughs> or the name. And, and it's right. not the name, or it's not Hashem, or it's not Adonai. His name is his name. And so yeah. for me, and it just and I hate to beat a dead horse, but for me, when I'm reading this text, that's why I wanted it here. When I'm reading this, if it, let's say if I were Jewish, and my personality as it sits right now, if I were also Jewish and, and fresh in this, and I started reading this, and I got here, it would be dishonest for me to say Hashem or Adonai.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Because that's not what I'm looking at that's right and that to me is editing taking away from you shall not add to neither take away from this Torah and if I'm I'm replacing this with Hashem or Adonai I'm violating that command
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm taking away from the Torah and putting something else that I want there in its place that's very basic Torah stuff right there if you ask me Mm -hmm.
3: Oh, so I was, <clears throat> I got my hand up, I can take it down now. But Oh, I'm sorry, I'll, I didn't look up. Well, that's okay. Um, but I was gonna say, no, dude, you're not beating a dead horse, horse on this because I think this is like one of the most important things. I personally believe, and I don't know that I can, it can be proven or if it's even worth trying to prove. I personally believe that we don't see the same miracles and same things that happened in the early beginnings of our creation because of the simple fact that we do not call on his name as a whole most mm-hmm. people don't even know he has a name when i first yes, came sir. into this walk i i practiced saying the name it was so important to me to be able to say his name as properly as i could understand and can say it and i even told him you know i prayed to him i said Abba, i'm sorry i'm not trying to just repeatedly just throw your name out there as I'm just walking around, you know, going through my day-to-day stuff around here in the place, whatever, just saying your name. I'm not trying to belittle your name. I am practicing to try to say your name correctly. I think it's that important. And again, I'll say it. I will probably always say this, that we don't see we don't see miracles because we don't call on his name.
2: And you know what? Go ahead. And I'm just all, all all these other gods have names. They, they have names,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: and to, to just, for me to just say anything, like, oh God, you know, even when I'm praying, a lot of times I, you know, mm-hmm. I say father, but then I, I try mm-hmm. to say his name because I want to direct it to him. I don't want it to be just thrown out there with just
6: uh generic. That's know, a love. really good point. That's a really, really good point. Distinction. There's tons of guys. Exactly. Of gods of God. That's a real good point, Tracy.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, that's how I feel. So
6: you, you, Daniel, you always make it a point to point out things when we see uh Abba repeating things in a word, mm-hmm. sometimes two times, three times. It's really, really important. Yeah. And here we are sitting with the word that mentions his name hundreds of times.
0: Yep. Well, look at this, look at this right here, this verse right here. And them that feared Yahweh spoke with one another, and Yahweh hearkened and heard, and a sefer zikaron was written before him, for them that feared Yahweh, and that thought upon his name.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. All right? A sefer zikaron was written
2: book of (laughs) remembrance
0: a book of memorial memorial a book of a memorial of speaking i think this is directly related to what we just read out of exodus this is my memorial forever they that feared Yahweh spoke with one another and he hearken (laughs) hearken Ish el-re'ehu spoke with his neighbor. Everyone who feared Yahweh spoke a man with his neighbor. Vayakshev Yahwa and Yahuah hearkened and heard it Vayishma and wrote a book of remembrance before himself. Before it, all right. For them that feared Yahweh whoever thought upon his name all right they spoke it with one another they feared yahweh they spoke to one another he hearkened and he wrote a book of remembrance i personally believe i think that's going on and of course in the english bibles it's they thought upon the lord the name of the lord you know and there are honest people who believe that that's his name who have yet not yet heard that it's not capital l capital o capital r capital d but at least they have a reverence for him are you with me
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but i think i think that this is linked to the memorial statement that god made to bullshit and i back to what joe said that we don't call on his name so we're not seeing as many miracles i think that's part of it but i i think it's bigger that we're not walking in his character as much as they did in the first century. And I think part of it is because of the way that his name is treated. But I think the other part of it is, is that we, we're, we're, we're still learning how to walk.
3: (laughs) We're goobers.
0: (laughs) Because we're goobers and we're 2000 years removed from it. You know, I mean, how many of us would be able to do what Kepha pulled off when, when uh, the seven sons of, of Shiva did what they did? You might know what I'm trying to drive at? Or, because I think about it, you know, I think about the, the spiritual warfare that we're in, what we're up against in the supernatural realm, and I know that disease and sickness and mm-hmm. uh, mental issues and all of that stuff, I know that it is connected to demonic activity, but why aren't we delivering people from it?
2: I don't know. This, this, oh.
3: The no. charismatic preacher at the mo- at most basic churches will say because they have lack of faith and you can't. Mm-hmm. Fix yeah. their lack of faith well yeah
0: but you know anybody that's honest knows that those guys aren't any any more successful if if not even worse off than the average joe is in delivering people otherwise there wouldn't be so much adultery and fornication in their churches right
2: you know as as you as yeshua is our example when i was reading in isaiah uh 11 and it talked about and the spirit of Yerah will be on him and then it went into the to the other six and 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 seeing how he operated in every last one of those and just and just knowing that 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 it is his spirit it is him and 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 I'm, I'm still, it's, it's, it just sometimes irks me or to figure out, you know, God, oh, I want to be open to move in your spirit. You mm-hmm. know, I want to operate in your spirit. I want to uh, do what Yeshua did. I want to do what Paul and Peter and them did. I want to operate in your spirit as you lead me, but I I want that, you know, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's mine. Your spirit is in me.
0: That's right. Yeah, we there is no doubt that even outside of our circles, people people have the spirit of God in their lives, but it's it's almost does anybody uh, remember those of you who are old enough? What was it called? There was a TV show back in the in the mid early to mid eighties. The greatest American hero, is that it?
3: Oh yeah, I'm not sure. Remember that one? Yeah. Just aged myself.
0: <laughs> he put on the suit, but he couldn't use it. Yep. Because he didn't have the book. Remember that?
3: Yeah, he was a big klutz. Like he had all these powers, and he didn't yeah. know how to do. It. He couldn't fly. He couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't do all these crazy things that.
0: And and that's you know, honestly how I see the congregation of God is that we have the suit, and we do have the book, but up until recently, most of us haven't read it. <laughs> you know. And, and we're fighting over how to interpret it. And so the power is there, but we're not able to use it. And in my opinion, we're not behaving toward one another the way he wants us to behave in honesty. You know, um, because when when someone does anything, especially in the messianic circles, and this, it's driving me crazy thinking about it in messianic circles, how people are so extra quick to jump on someone else's sin and say that's a violation of torah what what the heck why are you worried about me you know um until we get that attitude right i don't think we're ever going to see miracles to any great degree thank god in his mercy he does miracles for us in his compassion here and there for us you know and he certainly provides for us and 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 melanie and i have seen his hand in our lives otherwise i'd have lost it if i didn't see his hand in my life based on all the junk that's thrown at me verbally and otherwise you know (coughs) but you know the the power is available to us we just don't know how to use it
1: yeah
0: and and i think you know, and that's how I'm praying. I'm with you, Tracy. I want it to happen. I want to see it. I, it's happened for me. And many times in the past, you know, that sore throat that he healed on the spot. I wish that happened every day. I had another sore throat back in 2007 and I had to just suffer through it. And it was worse. And I was having to go bury my grandfather suffering through it, you know, and I, I prayed. And I did similar things to what I did that first time when he healed it on the spot. Why didn't he heal it the second time? I don't know. You know, and maybe it is because of, of just lack of understanding on my part, you know, but I do. I would like to clear that up. But one thing I'm certain of is I'm not going to give up saying his name for some guy that says it's, you know, we don't know how to pronounce it or, uh, uh, you know, you're blaspheming by saying it because the rabbi said not to
3: if you can can't, come up with some hard verifiable proof with resources to say that we we're saying it wrong it should be said this way then we'll change but
0: i will change as soon as you give me some some logical proof as to why you believe what you believe and i've seen i've seen nehemiah gordon's take on it as to why he calls him jehovah with the oh, vav i don't believe it i don't agree with it uh first of all i'm not going to listen to a person who rejects messiah and goes out and tries to win people away from messiah i'm not going to listen to that person ever you know um, and i've seen other messianic people's arguments and i've certainly seen the goofball arguments that come out of the messianic circles about how to say it and it doesn't work it doesn't wash with me um and 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 that's kind of the proof that i'm talking about if we were really brothers they wouldn't be so miffed at me for saying it the way i do especially you know go look at our website it's a well thought out argument you may not agree with it but treat me as a brother but they can't do that they don't do that
3: i remember watching some of the early studies from the previous congregation when i first came into this walk and uh I remember you saying it, Daniel, as saying Yahweh, right at first. And then I saw a shift. There was a time when it says uh you were saying Yahweh. And then there was a time when I saw you you had made some mistakes. Like you would within like one study, you would say Yahweh, and then you would catch yourself later on and say, Yahweh. And so and that all that did to me was solidify the fact that you were growing as well. You were learning, you were being corrected as abba was allowing you to be corrected and i took that as an inspiration that you know we think that we know things but sometimes we just don't know and but once you know and once you start getting the evidence then you know we have to strive to make those changes to be as correct as we can so
0: that's right but you know our, our character and how we treat one another, I believe is the biggest reason we don't see the power of his name because we're too busy arguing about how it's pronounced, when to use it, when not to use it and bashing one another who, who they're supposed to be our brothers. And I don't bash them, but they come against me like hornets, man. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to unify with that spirit, you know? So, uh, that's what I'm praying for. And it, it, it frustrates me because I start the yeshiva and I got, you know, <laughs> one person actively studying, you know, and, and I'm, I'm pumping stuff out there all the time, trying to unify with the world around us. And there's just no one to unify with. It's, it's ridiculous. It's sad to me. Um, I don't want to be the boss. I just want to walk with people who see things the same way, you know, and be treated right. I'm happy to have differences in how we agree or how we view things, uh, but treat each other with kindness. Isn't that what Yeshua said would be the mark of his followers?
7: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I wanted to say that. That's exactly what he said.
0: Yeah. So that to me is the the big reason, you know, why we're not seeing miracles is because we're such a disunified body of misfits and no one wants unification. People want to strong arm the other in the believing way they believe. All right, where were we? Yahweh the Elohim of your fathers, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me. I have remembered you and seen that which was done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Mitzrayim. Let's look at that one, 17. The affliction of Egypt. I'll bring you out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanite, the Khiti, the Amari, the Perizi, the Chivi, and the Yelusi, to a land full of milk and honey, and they shall hearken to your voice. If you say all of that to them, they will hearken to your voice. All right. And this is why say unto them, and then he gives them a quote, And if you basically, if you say all of that to them, they will hearken to your voice. This is why I don't like to get into semantic arguments with people. I believe in the Peshat level of the text and everybody has to agree with the Peshat level of the text. And if we can't do that, then we're just beating each other up. You know, if we can't agree with the basic sentence of the text says so Moshe is told this is exactly what you're going to say and if you do that they're going to hearken to your voice so what did Yeshua say about people hearing his voice
7: that his sheep know his voice that's right
0: and what modern thinkers especially in the word of faith movement think is that they know how to recognize a thought that crossed their head. And what I believe it is, is they understand when the word is being rightly understood. Is there a difference there?
1: Bueller?
7: I'm I'm not sure what you, I'm not sure exactly the question you just gave us
0: okay modern christians word of faith people think that hearing his voice is hearing something in your head Mm. and what i'm saying is is that that is only true if it matches what is in his word his sheep knowing his voice is by reading his word and knowing when someone speaks something that's from god if it doesn't match his word it ain't god
7: Okay, yeah. Exactly.
2: Like like if somebody was to say, Oh yeah, Daniel's teaching us about two thousand. You know, we'd be like, nah, I know I know Daniel's voice. That ain't his voice.
0: Right. You know his character and you know what God says about whatever the issue is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they might have heard a voice in their head and they might feel like they heard God's voice, but if it decries anything that's in the Torah, it ain't him.
3: God told me it was okay to go to church on Sunday and have a pork chop dinner afterwards. No, he didn't. No, no
0: he did not. Your feelings did. Your great desire for pork chop and Sunday did.
7: God didn't. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. And, oh, and uh, how can two walk together unless they are agreed that's right. So how do we expect Yeshua to be walking with us and ministering to people through us if we Amen. don't agree with him?
3: Exactly. Roger. Roger that. Good point, Betsy.
0: And you shall come, you and the elders, the elders of Israel, unto the king of each shrine and say unto him, Yeah. So now he's gonna say it to, to Israel, Moshe is, and they're gonna believe him. And then they are together going to go to Pharaoh and say to him, speaking his name, Yahweh, the Elohim of the Hebrews has met with us. And now let us go, we pray, three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our Elohim. That's what he's supposed to say. And then God says, and I know that the king of Egypt will not give you leave to go except by a mighty hand. I will put forth my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst, of, midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of Mitzrayim. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor and of her that sojourns in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil Mitzrayim. All right, so this is Elohim predicting what's going to happen when he goes before pharaoh what's going to happen when he goes before israel
3: he He essentially just gave a a uh, short synopsis of the entire exodus right there
0: bingo right here what i've highlighted i believe this affirms what we were talking about a while ago that israel knew the history. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Uh I believe they knew that they were sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Mm -hmm. and that they believed in Yah and that he promised them I'll bring you up out of Egypt and you'll overthrow these nations. You'll go to a land flowing with milk and honey. I believe they knew that.
1: Right.
0: All right. And so when Moshe said it even though he was in, in their eyes an Egyptian oh wait, he couldn't have known that unless it was actually God speaking to him. This guy's an Egyptian.
5: Aha, I'm Hebrew. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: What if in speaking to our Jewish people, we say this to them? Mm. We can't say that he's appeared to us because he hasn't appeared to us, but do you get what I'm saying?
3: They'll probably throw rocks at you because you said Yahweh and not Hashem.
0: They might. But maybe that's the formula anyway. (laughs) I've had one Hebrew, one Israeli person, one Jewish person to excoriate me like that in front of other people. Yes, I've had that. But I've never had one get mad at me yet. Now, if I went to Israel and, and were among the Orthodox, yes, you can bet your boots they're going to get crazy mad because they are so steeped in rabbinic doctrine. I've had, I think I told you guys, I hinted to it that two weeks ago, I got four or five messages from Jews basically telling me to shut my mouth that I'm a, you know, a Christianizer of Jews, and uh, I mean all kinds of stuff. Right there on our website, our wow. Facebook page.
3: I missed that one.
0: Yeah, well, I didn't let them stay up long. I'd see them and I'd delete them. Um, But yeah, they were hostile. And I didn't take the time to even look at where they were from. They were Jewish people. They were mad that I was basically trying to show people Yeshua. Okay? So they they are hostile. They can be if they are people of, of religion. Um, Jews who don't necessarily know their faith, they're pretty okay with it. They're pretty okay with hearing about it. Um, but people who are active, Jewish, Jewish people who are active in their faith, they tend to be hostile. But should we back down or should we be like those two midwives? Or should we be like Moshe? <laughs> Maybe that's a personal
3: thing. Maybe we ought to ask Abba how how he wants us to deal with people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, speaking of this, and we kind of talked about it before about different things, but the difference between us now and, and believers in the past, the level of faith that they had, I mean, I, I've often thought I considered this, right? You know, can I stand there... <clears throat> And have someone put a gun to my head and say, "Denounce Yeshua, or I will kill you." Mm-hmm. I would probably say, "Go ahead and kill me, whatever." But if they hold that gun, that same gun, to my child's head, and says the same thing, how would I respond? You know, is, is the faith really that strong? That's something we really got to consider because I think it's common, You know, oh, yeah. and I've heard that the Muslim people. Um, I heard a story that our Muslim people, I say our Muslim, the Muslim people, uh, some of our, our troops, I heard this from some troops that they were interrogating a Muslim guy. And they threatened to kill a son if he didn't give them whatever answers. And he just looked at his son and said, son, they're going to kill you. And then they're going to kill me. And then we'll, we'll be wherever it is they go, whatever. So don't worry about it. And they're like, OK, cool. Do, do whatever you want to do. And I'm thinking, do we really have that faith? We see stories all throughout scriptures of people having that kind of faith.
1: Yeah,
3: that's a big deal, man. That's that's the one that I gotta really struggle with.
0: Well, that yeah, we do. We have to get to that point where we trust His sovereignty and His mercy. You know, um, you know, yeah. I we're I do believe that Abba is driving us to that point. That's kind of goes back to what I was talking about. The congregation doesn't grow when it's at ease. All this growth that we see, that people see in churches is not growth. It's weeds. The garden is overrun, in my opinion, and it needs to be cleaned out
4: and really. Well, Go ahead. They, I'm sorry. But a lot of the, what they call the growth in churches is really not growth. They just move from one church to another because they don't like the teaching in one anymore, so they move to another one. Right.
0: Right. And that, that's kind of what I'm talking about is it's just, it's just butts and pews. It's not spiritual growth. And I would like to see organic growth on our part where, where, you know, people are coming to Messiah. If not for the first time, they're returning. They're, they're truly returning. They're not just looking for a church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Unfortunately, that's what we had in the last wave of growth that we went through was just people looking for an alternative. And I don't want that. I don't want alternative seekers. I want people who genuinely want Messiah and to live his way and to, to, to act the way he wants us to act toward one another. Primarily that's what I'm asking for. I'm so sick of being mistreated by believers. I could scream, you know, I endeavor to treat everybody with fairness and equality and love and and patience and endurance. And, and I don't, you know, I, I want that back. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I think I think the Messiah deserves it. You know, we he doesn't want us cutting each other and hurting each other. That's and right. uh, um, I think that's the kind, that's the kind of growth that I'm praying for is organic growth in the love of Messiah that's rooted in Him. And I, it may come through affliction. It may be that that that's what causes any true. Repentance.
6: (coughs) (coughs) Thank
0: you. Thank you. We've only got five minutes left. I don't want to dive into another chapter with only five minutes left. So, any thoughts or comments? We got about seven minutes, I guess.
4: Seven complete minutes.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's amazing how much um, depth we can draw out of just this little bit that we've gotten into so far is like how, how much it applies to now and and everything else and man it's just
2: oh you you know what i was gonna say um you know when you were talking about them being hostile and things like that um it just takes wisdom because of course if you're trying to witness if you're trying to witness i mean when it comes to yeshua and is talking about our uh, belief in him being the messiah there's no compromise but you know even even with the name because of their of, of their ignorance or their uh grooming you know to not say the name um using wisdom and saying you know you'd have Bobhead, you know spelling it out yeah as a, as opposed to just not, you know not saying at all
0: yeah just slapping them upside the face with it
2: right yeah, yeah. so that's 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 a, something that you know we need to make sure that we maybe can implement if we're talking to
0: yeah well um, i didn't I, I didn't emphasize it a while ago when we read this but appear to him in the flame of fire out of the midst of a bush you know it's it wasn't the bush that spoke the way Cecil B. DeMille depicted it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There was a person standing in it that looked like a human being because a messenger looks like a human being. Am I right? right? A messenger has the same form as, let me put it that way, same shape, form, build, however you want to word it, as a human being, was standing in the bush. He was in the midst of the bush. The bush was burning, yes, but there was a, a person, <clears throat> an entity standing in the bush, and that person manifested as God and spoke on behalf of God, spoke on behalf of Yahweh, the, the God of the, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I just wanted to make that abundantly clear, primarily for people who might watch it in the future, because we all have, or a lot of people have that presupposition that it was just a bush speaking, I just saw it represented that way on Facebook because we're in the Passover season, I suppose. I just saw the burning bush represented in that way. It's all about the burning bush. It's not about the person standing in it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. But I wish an artist mm-hmm. would do a good re- rendition of the messenger standing in the bush and speaking. <clears throat> what you got, Joe?
3: All right. So a little bit earlier and <laughs> It's been bugging me, and I was going to say it. I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it because you were talking about how um, most, like, especially when you come into the this walk of Torah keeping and everything, you start, like, ham- most people start hammering other people with their faults. That's, that's against Torah. That's against Torah. You're doing this, doing that, whatever. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to start off with excuses, okay, because I'm exhausted tonight. It's been a rough week. I'm tired. I'm focused on the study. My wife came in and she brought me food. And so I ate the food. And then you said it's the season of Passover still. And I'm like.
0: You just ate bread.
3: I just ate bread. <laughs> I just ate. And I, I was down, dude. She made chili dogs. And we, and she does all beef for me. So like she does all beef, chili dogs. She made chili dogs. And I was down like the last two bites. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Who are we? Big <laughs> and, look, so and,
2: and here it is. You thought I was going to fall, right? So uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, we, we, we caught you we we're here to help you we're, and help help you not fall short but you know what yeah. i wish it i
2: could happened. be there for you joe
3: <laughs> but you know what again that that's that's proof right there who are we to, to judge other people's sin right and that's, that's right. right right that's right I mean. <laughs> so I, hey, also what is it confess your sins one to another right so that's, that's why right. Right. i was, like, it was bugging me so Amen. i had to say this Hey,
4: Joe, I walked away from the pizza because I realized I couldn't eat it, and about one o'clock in the morning, it hit me. I did have a beer, and I'm going, oh, no.
0: (laughs) Well, I I don't believe beer is a violation because it's not active yeast when you drink it. So Thank thank God, because I'm having one now. (laughs) (laughs) I, I I don't sweat people drinking beer during this time. There are people who do, and they get very judgmental about it, but that's not i think that's in the write-up that i did too isn't it
7: mm-hmm. you've talked about it yeah, yeah well, you
0: so
1: know.
0: I, I don't sweat that to me that's not you know that yeast is active it's talking about active yeast that ferments or, or that, that that uh leavens something <laughs> yeah. you know? so I, I don't think that's a violation and even if it is it's just you know it's it's not egregious
7: well, you know, I, I saw something right here in this verse earlier today. Uh, it was in, uh, I think, in three where it said, and Moshe said, Moshe said, I will turn aside now and see this great sight, why mm-hmm. the bush has not burned. And it says, and when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, then he called unto him out of the midst. And I thought that was interesting. It was after Moshe stopped what he was doing and went that um Abba or that Yahweh, yeah. Talk to him. Um, I guess Moshe could have just kept walking, and yeah. ran away in fear or something. I don't know, but that kind of jumped out at me when you were going over that passage.
0: Yeah. I oh, mean, all right. I don't have anything else. Let's pray. Avinu Malkeinu, in the name of your son Yahweh Yeshua. Give thanks for your word. We do ask you to correct our error. We do ask you to uh, strengthen us by your truth. And uh, we ask you to be with us, with our congregation. Um, Protect us from the evil one. Deliver us from all troubles. Mm -hmm. Give us power over over darkness. Give us light. We thank you for those things. And we ask Mm -hmm. you to to, uh, be with us when we assemble again. And we look forward to seeing everyone and yourself on Shabbat I
2: mean, Amen. and continue Amen. to and continue Amen. to heal uh, Shucks Deanne and her yes. body Amen. strengthen her and her body Father and we look forward to a great report of her healing complete recovery in the name of Yeshua Amen, Amen.
0: Have mercy on Amen. Amen. thanks for tuning in to listen to this week's Torah study class in the description, you'll find all the links to our website and social media content. Please make sure you're subscribed to our podcast as we can be found on all major podcast platforms. If you feel compelled to support this ministry, please feel free to do so by donating via the Get the Word Out link in the description. All proceeds go toward growing this platform and the Nikdash Mayak ministry. Till the next time, we pray God blesses you with Shalom in the name of Yahweh Yeshua Mashiach.